Patrick Guarneri is a 20-year industry veteran, school owner, stylist, national Redkin artist, and a board member of the DC Board of Barbering Cosmetology. Today, we're going to hear all about his hair journey to end up where he is today, and let's check it out. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. I am your host, Robert Hughes, and today I'm talking with Patrick Guarneri. How are you doing today, Patrick? I'm good, Robert. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, I'm excited. We, we've, I feel like we've been trying to get this on the books for a while. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy we were able to finally get you, get you on the show. So I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. And if anybody is watching, they may recognize Patrick from a couple of IG live episodes we did regarding the uh, department of education and the gainful employment stuff that's going on. And, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but the opportunity for public comment is over, and we're waiting to hear uh, what you know. I guess the Department of Education is going through all of that those comments right now, and will hopefully get a good answer that is not going to force the closure of tons of trade schools across the country. So, yeah, we'll see. It should be coming up anytime soon. We should be hearing uh, something from them. So, so maybe just sort of waiting. So maybe even before this episode is dropped. So hopefully when you're watching this, good news. All right. So let's jump right in. So Patrick, why don't you kind of start off with like why hair, uh, but like with an emphasis on your actual journey through the hair, your career. Sure. I, you know, I think that I like, I never really intended to be a hairstylist. It was nothing that I really never wanted to do growing up, but um I was living in Chicago and, you know, just sort of quickly through that, like looking for something to make money. And I knew someone that was a hairstylist and they seemed to be like the richest person I knew at that time. So I went to hair school. Um, I was really lucky. I started at the salon that I was at for, you know, most of my career uh, right after I graduated hair school. And um, when I started, they had become just become like a Redken salon and switched over to, you know, all Redken Pyrology products. Um, so my whole career at the beginning, like I was around Redken education and our salon owner was amazing because she really, um, like I was, I want to say like, she didn't care what we did with the points and stuff that we got, but it, it's not that she didn't care. She like let us use them however we saw fit. And so we would like book trips. Like at that time you could go to New York and use your points at the exchange and book your hotel rooms and all that stuff. So we used to just like go to New York like two or three times a year and take these incredible classes um, from Redkin. And through that, that's really how I decided that I wanted to be an educator and, and work for them. And so I went through the process of becoming an artist. And I think that that's, you know, me partnering with Redkin really has led to every milestone and, and achievement that I've had in my career. Um, that's how the school sort of fell into our lap because the Salon Professional Academies are affiliated with Redkin. They were looking for, you know, someone to open a school in a city like DC and through my connections and our salon connections, like they came and talked to us. And so it just really has been like working with Redkin, the brand has like sort of led me, you know, through every stage of my career that I've had in the last uh, 20 years, you know, as a stylist. So nice. Nice. Okay. So I love this. Uh, I love this the story about your the salon owner letting you use the points to kind of kind of rack up the education and twice a year in New York that that sounds like a lot for your average stylist I feel like maybe they'll get one trip in a year um we it, it was like 
you know, you look back on, on, you know, like where you've been and what's happened and like moments that have like gotten you where you are. And like, I don't, I never would be where I am if it wasn't for like that at the beginning, because like we were allowed to do, you know, book any education we wanted, go to any education we wanted, use the points for all that stuff that, that we got from like our ordering and stuff. So like, it just was like one of those things that like, I was so fortunate that she let us, you know, we're talking like, you know, going to classes like with Sam Via and Justin Isaac, you know, these like huge, you know, Chris Barron, like Chris Sorby, huge industry players that like, you know, and even at the time, like, you know, we sort of didn't know how lucky we were that like we were, you know what I mean, going to do those sort of things or having them in our salon, you know, we we didn't really get it until we started like getting more exposure to other, you know, parts of the industry. And it was like, oh, you mean not every salon gets to go to New York and go visit the exchange, you know, two or three times a year? <laughs> um, so I got a, I got a question. I want to come back to this uh, because I do, I do have a couple of questions about like what, what it was like in the beginning of uh, getting involved with Redkin. Um yeah. But I want to go back a little further. Did you go to school or did you uh, do an apprenticeship program? And where was it? And tell us a little bit about that experience. I uh, I went to Grim Webb out in Arlington. I think that so many, you know, stylists in this area, like that have been around for a little while. That's where we all went. It was the best hair school at the time. Um, you know, it was uh, where everybody went. So I went to Grim Webb. I when I was living in Chicago, like I checked out the Aveda Institute there, but they had just opened. And with the school now, I understand why. But I, when I went to talk to Aveda in Chicago, they were like, oh, we don't offer financial aid yet. So you can pay your $20,000 tuition in two payments of $10,000 each. Um, and I was like, well, I don't think I have that kind of money. So uh, I ended up moving home because I'm from Northern Virginia. So I moved home with my parents and uh, I went to Graham Webb. And I, I was a little older, like I was, I think I was 22 when I went to school, 22 or 23, something like that, somewhere around there. And, you know, it was a little different, like, because I was paying for it. I was taking the loans out of my name, you know, so I got done in 10 months. I think I graduated like a month early um, when I was there. Like, I loved it. I thought it was, you know, the most, it was just so different. Like I went to college for a little bit, Virginia Tech, and I hated it. So it was just like really cool doing something creative and being around, um, you know, other creative people that, you know, I, I don't know. I, my first teacher at Graham Webb, uh, her name was Miss Fanny. And I like, I think um, on our first day, like we were like sectioning hair and, you know, you start with like four parts and then five and then nine, whatever it was, I couldn't do four parts to save my life. And she told me then, uh, if you leave now, we'll give you all your money back. Like, um, you, like, you're not going to be good at this if you can't do <laughs> <laughs> um no I mean, it's so true like uh if you can't do this now like you know what's coming you're gonna have a problem with and i just thought like okay well like you know i'm a tourist and so i'll show you you know and it was like i felt like that whole 10 months was just like proving miss fanny wrong that like you you're gonna keep my money and graduate <laughs> me from this program whether you like it or not you know <laughs> but i think that that was like the you know it was almost like out of spite that I stayed and like, you know, you know, was determined to finish and be, you know, as good as I could be, um, uh, you know, at, at the craft or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just was like, 
it was a really cool time. I mean, you know, back, you know, 20 years ago when Graham Webb was really hopping, I mean, you know, I think I started with like 45 other people. Like it just was like such a cool, you know, like it was such a cool environment there um, down in the Spectrum Theater or whatever, you know, in Arlington. It was just, it was a really cool time. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So you went to school and then, uh, so the salon that you were working at that, uh, kind of gave, gave you some freedom over the use of the points. Was that the salon you went to after getting out of school? Yeah. Um, it was right before I ended school, um, before I graduated and, uh, a friend of mine in school got, um, a, um, a staph infection on his leg and he had to go to the hospital and he was the salon assistant at the time. And the salon told him like, you have to ha- you either have to show up or someone has to show up for your shift tonight, or we're going to let you go. And so he begged me to go and cover his shift at the salon as the assistant. I'd never been there before. I'd never met anybody. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll go. And so I walked in the door and covered his shift because he was in the hospital with a staph infection. And, uh, that's like how I got hired. You know, they were like, okay, well, we have a couple shifts for you. You can stay. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it was really like luck and, you know, but um, I, I always wanted to like do more and learn more and experience more, you know, than just like being behind the chair. And so I like, you know, would like volunteer to do inventory for, you know, the owner at the end of the month. And I would do the ordering sometimes and, you know, things like that. And that's how it just like, you know, me and one of the other managers and I became a manager of the salon. Um, and then we really just like ran the education together and um, fanned out, you know, like what classes we were having. But it was really it was like all dumb luck that all of that I got, you know, placed in those positions because of a staph infection. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You know, just like just to kind of uh, do a little sidebar here about uh about like the old school way, like the old school salon owner saying you have a staph infection. You're going to lose your job if you don't come to work or find someone to replace you. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) No, I mean, like, you know, now knowing what, you know, like being in management or like being an owner of the school and stuff, like, I mean, you know, people call out of work for far less, you know, like, like, oh, I don't know, you know, I I, I blinked hard this morning and I'm not going to work today. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it was like, but I'm in the hospital, you know? So, and who knows, like whether that would, they would have really followed through or not, you know, like if he, you know, no one showed up, but I mean, at that time, you know, the salon was just like, it was just like, it's so busy. Like, you know, we would do like haircuts every 30 minutes, like, you know, full foils in 45 minutes. And there was no way like the salon could function without an assistant, like, you know, helping the stylists like with their schedules. So like, I get it now, you know, because at that time it was just like, I mean, you know, being here at the school, like, you know, we have students that like, Oh, I did a manicure. I need a three hour break. You know, like I've done one service today. I got to sit down, you know? I mean, then it was just like you walked in the door and, you know, 10, 12 hours, just like right after another, we're just cranking out clients. Like it was totally different than the way I feel people operate, you know, behind the chair now. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but, you know, just very different environment than what people are used to now. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. So if anybody's listening to this and they're relatively new and I mean, I guess within the definitely within the last five years, uh, maybe even the last seven to ten maybe um you probably haven't experienced this kind of stuff where 
where the salon owner uh, really, I mean, I feel like, I don't know that it was the intention to treat me like I was a cog in a machine and I didn't have any value as a human. I only had a value as an employee filling a certain role. I don't know that that was the intention, but that was the reality. And uh, the reality was like, you know, you didn't get all these excuses to your point. Uh, And uh, you either... Either had you either wanted the job, you didn't want the job, and right. if you wanted the job, you showed up. But right. um, that that's probably you know things have changed for many reasons. Uh, one thing is for sure, it doesn't seem um, like like those times, like where the p- businesses were that busy and like cranking it out, and you know. Well, I think that, and I see it here, like when salons will come in to talk to students and stuff. You know, like I, I think that. I don't think the owner had any bad intentions. You know, it was just like what they were used to and what you know totally. she came up in, you know what I mean? And how, you know, her career as a stylist was. And so that's how, you know what I mean, she operated. And the other side of that is that like, none of us were complaining because we were making so much money at the time that like, it was like, well, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, this is amazing, you know? And I think that I, I love that newer stylists, what they've done to our industry and how they've changed it. Like, I think that I wish I had had more work-life balance back then um, when I was full-time behind the chair. I wish I um, felt like it was okay to do less clients and charge more money. You know what I mean? Like, like people are doing now because, you know, like, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s. Like, I have back problems. You know what I mean? Like, my feet, my knees hurt, you know? Like, totally. you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think what they've done and how the industry has evolved is amazing. And it's it's really cool that, you know, people don't feel the need to be there, you know, you know, all weekend, every night. You know what I mean? And we could still make money because, you know, with social media, stuff like that, like, it's not the same as it used to be where, you know what I mean? You can build a clientele through other channels now besides just like word of mouth or asking your clients for referrals like, you know, we had to. Uh when we were first starting, but I mean, salon owners come into the school and they're like, you know, Oh, you know, we work, you know, 40 hours a week and, you know, five days and every single student shuts off. They're like, that's nothing that I'm interested in doing, you know, and I don't blame them either, you know? So. You know what? I, I think that, uh, I think we'll see how the rest of this conversation goes, but I feel like that conversation should be the next time time we talk. We should talk a lot from your vantage point, you know, getting to know like this future generation. Um, But instead of diving into that, let's, I want to stick with your story. Okay. So you go to school, you, you go, you go, you get a job at a salon. The salon is cranking it out. You're, uh, you're, you're able to grow, get onto the floor. You're able to take a, take classes at a, at, you know, at a, on a frequent basis. And you got involved with you. That's how you were introduced to Redkin there. And uh, so start at that point, let's talk about like, what was that like getting, getting involved with Redkin um, beyond, beyond being a student in their classes? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Cause you know, we, in our opening, we mentioned that you were a, uh, national Redkin artist. And so tell us a little about, about from like that point to the artist and the school, because you said it was all connected. So I, I remember, and I, and I, it's like all of my Redkin friends, we, we talk about this a lot. It's like, I will never forget the first Redkin class I went to because 
it was the first time I felt like someone was teaching in a way that I understood, you know, the way that, that we structure programs and the way that we, um, you know, teach through experience and all those sort of things that we do in our, in Redkin education. But, and so I just had that like moment of like, I want, you know, coming from Miss Fanny telling me I was never going to do this to like being there and like, wow, like, you know, I feel like I'm getting it. I wanted to be able to like pass that on to other people and like allow them to have that same experience, you know? Um, and, you know, Redkin does applications and artist uh, trainings every year. And so um, it's been about 13 years. So I was like seven years or so in as a stylist. Um, we had to make a packet and submit a video and submit salon numbers and all that stuff. And um, I think the year that, if I remember correctly, there was like 45 of us out of like over 300 applicants, somewhere around that number um, that they chose. And we, uh, four weeks, once a month for four months, we went to Tampa and we went through training of, um, you know, how to put together a Redkin class and how Redkin teaches. And what I loved about it is that it wasn't really focused on like, how do you, you know, like hair color knowledge or, you know, product knowledge, things like that. It was focused on like how to facilitate a class, you know, like how you, you know, do that so that your attendees get the experience that they're looking for. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I had like a pretty good run at the beginning, like the first few years, like things were great and I was doing a lot and teaching a lot and I loved it. Um, and then sort of like right in the middle of that, uh, we opened the school. And so like all that Redkin stuff sort of halted a little bit um, because just my focus needed to be here. Um, and so it's really been in the last like two years, like after COVID and the school's at a place where like, I don't have to be here every day, but like, it's just sort of gone crazy in the last couple of years. And um, the thing that I do the most for them now is I train the new artists that are coming in. And when artists want to like level jump or tier jump, I train them to um, the, from the tier one to the tier two training. So like most of the stuff I do for Redkin is facilitation type training and not like here's a, you know, balayage technique. I do that stuff too, but um, it's really been focused on the facilitation side, which I love because um, it's like, I get to be a small piece of the first step for all these new Redkin artists that are coming out and going into the field and, you know, becoming part of our family. So yeah, um, it's been a wild, you know, so, ride, like, um, so I got a question, uh, um, just to get a little bit of clarity on something, uh, cause you were talking about this levels and the stages. First question is how long of you working with Redkin as an artist did it, was it before you opened up the school? Um, let's see, the school is seven years. So it was about like seven years as an artist and then um is that true about five years as an artist and then we opened the school and then yeah we've been from there so, so okay summer's around there five or six years okay. um and then the school opened so yeah okay. and right like um then like to get to work in new york at the exchange and facilitate classes there you had to like apply to audition and like go sit in a room where Sam Bia, Chris Sorby, Chris Barron, like all these people are staring at you and you had to get on stage and teach a class to them, uh, essentially. Um, and like, I got accepted to do that. And then the school opened like right after. And so I, I pulled back and was like, I don't think this is really the right time for me to, um, to do that. So yeah, um, things like went pretty quick at the beginning and then the school like sort of put a pause on all of it because this has been 
a lot of attention, <laughs> you know, for the last uh, few years that the school has been open. So, so if someone wanted to be, um, I mean, I think uh, I love this. I love your story. I mean, it's uh it's it's dynamic, multifaceted, and uh, it just definitely seems like there's some um, little lessons uh, in in there uh, for anybody who's getting their career started. But like, what about the person who wants to become a Redkin educator uh, or a brand educator in general? Do you, as we kind of wrap this up, do you have any uh, words of advice that you would give to that person who's listening or watching this right now? Um, yeah, I I mean, I think that, you know, people ask me all the time, like, why, why Redfin, you know, and, um, again, I think that tons of companies have great products, you know, like, is there great hair color everywhere? Sure. You know what I mean? Um, I just, Redkin for me was the place that felt the most like home and where like the education really spoke to me. And so, you know, um, on my Instagram, there's a a link in my link tree where there's like a artist application there that you can go and fill out, like. We're starting again next year. We usually do like two um, inductions um, each year. But I just think that like if you want to become a brand educator or you want to educate, like you got to really spend some time finding the brand that aligns most with most with your core values, you know? And like, what about like, because really like every time I go out, like I'm representing the brand and, you know, my reputation as a stylist too of like, you know, being in front of a salon saying like, I believe in these products. I believe in what we're doing, you know? So like, I guess my biggest advice would just be like finding a brand that like speaks to your core values and aligns with those. And what is it that they're offering you and and their sort of platform that you feel like you're going to get that you maybe aren't getting behind the chair, you know, like I love being behind the chair and taking clients and, and, you know, but I knew I didn't want to do that full time all, you know, for the rest of my career, you know? And so this was a chance for me because I saw a path to, um, many different avenues and things to do, you know, so. And I love, that's, that's awesome. So aligning yourself with the values and making sure you understand what you get as an educator beyond just money. Like, is there other things for you? So what about the person who's like, knows the brand, understands what they want, but they're maybe a little, um, uh what's the word lacking confidence uh in themselves to actually apply do you uh give any words of wisdom or advice for that person you know every time we get a new group together that comes in and then goes through induction like they everyone shows up thinking like they're all trying to figure out like who the artist, you know, induction team wants them to be so that they can be successful. You know what I mean? And the truth is like, all we're looking for is to give you the tools to like be as much of yourself comfortably as possible and go and deliver information to people, you know? And so I think that like, you have to understand that like, and then that goes across many, you know what I mean? I have friends that work for all different, you know, manufacturers and and product companies. It's like, you have to really rely on the passion to want to teach, you know, because at the beginning you don't, you can't get in it for the money because you're not making that much money as an educator at the beginning, you know? So it's like the passion to teach and like give knowledge and give back has to be what drives you forward. And at Redkin, like we always say, like our education is hundred percent learner focused. And that means that when I walk into a classroom, it's not about me. It's about all the educators there. And so if I really like come from that place of like, I'm here for the learners and the attendees, 
I don't really have time to be nervous or to worry about that or my confidence because I'm so focused on giving them what they need that, um, they're, you know what I mean? I have taken myself totally out of the equation. I'm not there to prove anything about me. I'm just here to give them, help them, you know, learn and live their best lives. You know, like we like to say at Redkin. So you got to like find out what's driving your one need to educate and, and, and focus on that instead of like you, you know, being, you know, like in front of people, you know, does that, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Like instead yeah. of trying to fit into a mold, kind of make sure you understand who you are uh, as a stylist and, 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 and who you want to be as an educator before. Yeah. Why basically. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of work. Like, I don't know if you like Blair Singer, if you've heard of him, like he does a lot of work with stylists and his first sort of big book was called little voice mastery. And it was one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Um, just about like sort of quieting that little voice down in your mind and like doing some work on, on that. Um, but you know, there's, yeah, I mean, just, this isn't about us when we go educate and teach. It's about the people we're serving in that role. Nice. And, uh, so, so that's where brand education. What if, uh, what about like somebody who is thinking about opening up a school? Do <laughs> you have any advice for them? <laughs> Don't. Um, <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to ask me that. You know, it's funny, like, people walk in the door. I'm at the school now. People walk in the doors all the time and they're like, yeah, I've been thinking about opening a school. Like, you know, I'll jokingly be like, here, you want this one? Like, take it. You know what I mean? Like, I have one for you. Um, owning a school is the, it's like the hardest, most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. Like, it is. It's like so awful some days, but it's so great, you know. Um, when we opened this school, like we naively thought that like, and how I was sort of convinced to do it, because um, I wasn't really that on board at the beginning, but was that like, I was going to get to go and just teach every day, all day. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I was going to do is show these new stylists, like, you know, what I've learned so far and past. And that's not what I do. And so most of the time, like as owners, like if you want to own a school, you have to walk into an understanding that you are going to be the like disciplinarian or the boss or the, you know what I mean? You're not there to, I get to educate sometimes, but um, you know, it's, it's a tough business because there's so many factors working against us, you know, whatever. But um, my best advice, if you want to go open a school is to go spend a week in a school and really like work with the owner there or their director and like get a sense and an idea of what their day-to-day is like, because um, it's wildly different than you can imagine. I promise. Like, it's not just, Oh, we get to teach all day. You know what I mean? Dealing with parents and why their kid got sent home, you know, for wearing the wrong dress code. (laughs) It's like a real, a a real administrator, you know, you a lot of those little nuanced things that we hairstylists never even think about right yeah. yeah i mean i could talk all day long about like and you know we about regulations and boards and stuff but um you know it just it's a wildly different animal than i ever thought this was going to be like it just it's so completely different um so i mean i love it but it's it's a lot so and then what about um all right. So any uh, last, I, I feel like your, I feel like your story is uh, kind of starts off, you know, I went to school, I, I got a job at a salon and you landed a salon that uh, focused on, had gave you the opportunity to explore education. They also 
gave the opportunity. It sounds like it was a pretty busy salon. So it sounds like they were able to help you line your pockets and set up, you know, money for the future investments, which ended up, you know, being a school, which is what you're doing now. And uh, uh, so is there any last words as we sign off to anybody listening to this uh, who who may be interested in any of the uh, angles or dynamics that you like, is there some sort of common thread through your journey that, that you feel like is responsible for you being able to get to where you are? The, the most common thread is education. And I tell Silas that all the time is that, you know, education is, is like one of the only things in life that people can't take away from you. And I really dedicated myself, you know, Yes, I was so lucky to be in the position that we were in, but you know, it was all the education and all the classes that I took and just really exposing myself to, you know, and all different types of uh our industry. And so to me it would be education. Like you will never go wrong um educating yourself and you never know what door that class is gonna lead to next and what it's gonna open for you because it's what that one theme that's gotten, you know, me everywhere I've you know, everything I've accomplished in my career. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today. Uh, I definitely want to have you back on and uh, maybe the next conversation we'll talk about, you know, what your van, like from your vantage point, I'd love to hear you talk about the, what you see in the future. And especially like, we didn't even really talk about the board of cosmetology. So yeah. maybe we could work that in there too. But uh, for now, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. So thank you sure. so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. See ya.